Stock Talk Podcast, where topics are covered and questions are answered across all parts of the show stock industry. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Trevor Kirkpatrick and Corey Edge. I'm trying to get a turkey call pulled up because happy Thanksgiving, folks. Tomorrow. Happy Thanksgiving. I, I was a little late on the trigger there. I was trying to pull up a turkey call. Um, but yeah. There you go. There I go. was going to say, do your best turkey call impression. I'm sure there's a lot more turkey hunters out there that do it way better than me. But it's, uh, it's turkey days tomorrow, man. And um, what are you doing for the fam? Are you hanging out? Where are you going? Yeah, hanging out. Um, you know, it's interesting with with the, uh, I guess, suggestions being offered by government officials and, and whatnot about gatherings and stuff like that. I, I think the plan is still to celebrate as best we can with Taylor's family in Illinois. Uh-huh. And um, it actually happens to be my mom's birthday on Thanksgiving this year. Well, happy um, birthday, Lisa. Yeah. Yeah, so we're, you know, we're going to have some Thanksgiving festivities over the weekend, but uh, mainly uh, mainly going to be moving on Saturday. Oh, so, what's the news? Well, the I news mean, I already is, know about it, but let's tell our fam, our listeners. Yeah, the news is um, my wife and I have, uh, have finished the build on our new house, and we uh, closed... Uh, we close on it actually today. So if you're listening Wednesday, we close on it today. And so we will have the keys in hand and uh, be moving in. Over the so weekend. pumped. So. Dude, the pictures you've been sending me, the snaps have looked incredible. Man, I am pumped for you guys. And a uh, whole new chapter, man. Lots of new things, exciting things happening. 2020 is a good year after all. You know, I feel like the close of 2020 has has been very good. I know you've got obviously Arizona national canceling and the Nebraska cattlemen's deal canceled. It's, you know, but I feel like at the end of the day, we can look back on 2020 and there were some very cool things that happened still. Yeah, there was. And you know, there, I'm one of those guys that always brings the light out in the dark, dark time or whatever. Um, but it's true. And, uh, um, yeah. You know who else brought a light out in a dark time? Who's that? 2020? Walton Webb Casting. Oh, boy, did they ever. Got the cyber stock shows. The Turkey Bowl happened. I think it was last week. And, uh, man, I I tell you, we say it like it's our job, and it kind of is. But I tell you, Walton did do a lot of things during the pandemic that, A, nobody ever thought could happen, and, B, really kept things moving i mean that was the only thing happening for several months and walton made something out of nothing uh the they did announce the top 15 of the national cyber stock show uh show pig series yes and that was kind of cool to see that uh on their facebook page so if you missed that go check that out but um just absolutely love our friends at walton great people um stock people they uh they have brought you livestock like you've never seen before and uh i'm mostly excited about what the future holds for walton because i I think it's only going to grow i've heard rumors of different camera angles that are going to be available in 2021 really 
Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna drop any major hints because I don't want to be the person that leaks information if it's not true. Fake news. But I have heard some really neat things could be happening over in Walton, Indiana, to bring us some some really neat camera views of these shows being broadcasted or webcasted, I should say. All right. At Walton Webcasting. How freaking cool would it be? And I hope Greg and the crew are listening. What if they did the Zoom camera deal like on the college and NFL football field where it like follows the kickoff, you know what I mean? And it's like it's pretty much floating over the field, that camera view, do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, you mean the sky cam. Sky cam, yes, just kind of floating and oh my, that would be next level. Well, I mean, I'm I'm not going to drop any hints as to what I heard, but Trevor, you're pretty uh Pretty, uh, you're flirting with a lot of things here that um, <laughs> I don't really want to disclose. Uh, Guess we'll just, just have to wait and see. Stay we'll tuned. have to wait and see, you know, and it could just be a pro- in prototype mode um, as far as we know. But And we know I, Walton does, doesn't do anything halfway. They, they got to master no. it, so I'm sure it's got to be tested. And if it's not right, it won't happen. That's okay. They're next level good. And also, next level good, a lot of bread sales happening right now at showpig.com. Ooh. I'm getting pretty excited. It's my favorite time of the year. Uh, well, one of the favorites because it's always fun. Like it used to be, what used to happen was you get on showpig.com and you see just a couple bread guilt sales. And you're like, oh, they're just cleaning out their junk. Well, now you're seeing some champions come out of these breads. And anybody can buy them. And if you do it on showpig.com, I don't know if you've seen what they're doing now. But they've got, like, the uh, people are submitting their champions that are bought on showpig.com. That's where you find them. And you might as well buy a bread with some of the sales that are happening right now. And there are many a day. I mean, it's just good stuff at showpig.com. 100%. A really cool event that's going to be happening in December on showpig.com. For those of you that are interested in supporting Team Pure Bread is uh, the Team Pure Bread um, bread sale or bread guilt sale. There we so, go. So gonna be pretty cool. More details to come on that, but uh, gonna be some real, real good ones in there. The foundation female I've heard uh, is quite good. Uh, Tamworth actually, <laughs> really. So uh, really, really cool uh, thing that's gonna be happening. So keep your eyes peeled for the bread guilt sale. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um. So yeah, I'm excited for the uh, the Turkey Day first first holiday as a married man. So first holiday as a married man, you're gonna watch some. Uh, it's always a tradition. We always watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, and then we uh, consume way too much food and watch football. Well, see, there's no parade this year. I didn't think. That's oh, you're right. So that's Why, weird. Uh, that's that's huh? gonna be weird. But we're gonna have football. We're gonna have food still. I mean. You can't keep Kirkpatrick's away from food. That just doesn't happen. Well, in our household, food and football are a staple on Thanksgiving, so fortunately we'll be able to get those things accomplished. I'm curious, though, have you seen or heard anything of what they would do for the Thanksgiving Day Parade? Is it is it going to be a – you know, they just say, did they just say forget about it and, and not try to at least come up with something kind of cool? I haven't heard. Uh, my my – uh, my fingers are going to work here. Dr. Google is going to tell us something. Uh, Let's look it up. Yeah, because here we go. How the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade will be different in 2020 on NBC. 
Um, doing some reading. I can only read so fast, those of you who know me. So I'm with you, though. It's always a um, tradition. You sit down and you watch it. Um, with reading this, skimming it real fast, or trying to, to balance a way to do uh, like a pre-tape deal. Yeah. Um, so no high school or college marching bands. They're probably going to downsize it. Obviously no crowds. Um, this is on the Macy's website here. It says, uh, watch it live from 34th street only on NBC. There you go. Thursday, November 26th at 9am to noon in all time zones. Uh, they say, since we aren't marching down the streets of New York city this year, the only place to see all the performances, gigantic balloons, and fabulous floats is from the cover and safety of your own home. So they are still doing. Okay. I was great. wrong. It's just, um, you know, virtual only, I guess, for those that are wanting to watch and you cannot attend in person. So that's right. still that going to be on my a little better. Makes yes. me feel a little better. All right. Good yeah. thing we looked. Good stuff. Well, yeah. it, it amazes me that Thanksgiving's already here. Uh, but true. What is your favorite Thanksgiving day? meal like food item oh well if it was a meal i would be one happy camper but i am an absolute maniac when it comes to a nice warm slice of pecan pie really oh okay all right all right all right here let's let's do this now let's do favorite thanksgiving um main dish side dish and dessert Main so dish. you've covered your dessert. Got the dessert. That's a that's yep. an easy easy yep. class winner there. Okay. Main dish. Are you like a turkey guy? You a ham guy? Do you guys do something different? So there's these things at the uh, it's more mainly Kirkpatrick Christmas, but the, it, we don't really do a Kirkpatrick Thanksgiving like a big group, but we do the Christmas deal every year. Okay. They make these, and it's kind of a side dish. So I'm this is probably a side dish. It's the, uh, they're like little Hawaiian rolls uh, with like, it's glazed and they have little ham roll up deals and then you put some cheese on it. I'm oh, not, man. I'm not sure what they're called, but you can eat like, you know, two of them. Kind of like little sliders. Yeah. Little sliders. They're glazed. They got poppy seeds or not poppy seeds, but little, um, oh, are they sesame seeds? Sesame seeds. Yes. Um, yeah. Those are good. I would consider those. I would consider those a side item. Like that's not like a staple. Yeah, no, that's definitely side item. And yeah. honestly, I don't eat turkey a lot. And Thanksgiving's definitely one of those days that I do. And I'm now I'm I'm the age where like I have to cut the freaking thing. So I'm okay. sitting there <laughs> slicing it up, taking a quality control test, slicing it up. You know. So I do I do dabble pretty heavily in the turkey on Thanksgiving, mainly because it's not a very frequent meal around here. Fair enough. I don't so, blame you. Okay. And then the pe the the warm pecan pie. Pe pecan pie. Top it Love it. Mm. Oh, with, with even with some vanilla ice cream. Oh my gosh, I'm getting I got the man drill. That sounds here. good. That sounds good. Um we are um for Thanksgiving, we're kind of we're we kind of are traditionalists in some ways, um but what we've adopted over the last, I don't know. Gosh. Almost a decade now. Uh, I'll start main dish. Turducken. Oh, okay. yeah. 
If you've never had a turducken, uh, you do have to order them. You cannot buy them in store. And if you find one in a store, uh, you must be going somewhere uh, pretty fancy. But uh, a turducken essentially is uh, turkey uh, with a duck stuffed inside with a chicken stuck stuffed inside yes, of that. That's it's an amazing, amazing event. Cause you can't really just you, do you throw them all in together, or do you have to cook them all separate? So, so, so when you order it, um, we like to order the loaf because they, they take care of the legwork for you. And it's actually wrapped and stuffed in a, uh, uh, in that kind of netting, you know, uh-huh. so you can cook it all together and, and they, they swap juices. It, it is, I'm telling you right now, it is incredible. Um, very, very good. That's, that is my favorite. Uh, that is my favorite thing to eat. And, and I will say, um, there was a few years where we did prime rib as our wow. as our main dish, and and to me that trumps chicken and turkey every day of the week. I just ate dinner, and I'm sitting here with my stomach growling. <laughs> All this thought, oh, yeah. woof. So prime rib would be a close second for me that we've done before in the past as a main dish, but side dish. Okay, if if you um, if you have never had hollandaise sauce, I would. I would invite you to uh, pretty much every Thanksgiving and Christmas that we have here at the Edge Ranch. Holiday um, sauce. Hollandaise sauce. It, it's an egg-based. Um, it's an egg-based sauce, but you, I mean, you can put this sauce on anything, uh, literally anything, and it will taste good. But my ideal side dish is stuffing with mm. hollandaise sauce just drenched in it. Uh, not holiday it, holland hollandaise yeah hollandaise sauce gotcha now uh, you need a double boiler or something like that um so to, to actually make it it's i'm telling you oh man I'm getting hungry just thinking about it um, yeah. hollandaise sauce um covering stuffing so what's the dessert uh, see dessert gets tough for me because there's so many good options but um on thanksgiving there's no more appropriate time to have a really nice slice of warm pumpkin pie uh-huh. topped with whipped cream and a side of vanilla ice cream. Like, oh. Oof. yeah, that's what I'm going to have for my dessert. So turducken stuffing with hollandaise sauce, pumpkin pie, slice of piece of ice cream, mm. man. I can't wait. Tomorrow's going to be good. Mm. Ooh, very exciting. Um, so, Trev, um, what uh, what do you got next on our agenda here? I, I really think I probably made our audience very hungry thinking about Thanksgiving food. Yeah, if you're listening to this during lunch, you, you're in luck. If you're listening to this about 2 o'clock, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but so we're going to jump into hats off. And, of course, it's brought to you by Fierce Threads. Uh, hope you're following them on social media. They're doing a good job of keeping up uh, with some of the amazing products um, that you can have in your closet uh, if you're on the Big Paul side of things. Big Paul Lifestyle is a division of Fierce Threads, and they have livestock-savvy apparel that is next-level creative. But if you're on the business side of things and you want your brand on some 2021 gear in very new cutting-edge, whether it be hats or a coat, a jacket, T-shirts, whatever, Fierce Threads does it all. And I'm here to tell you, folks, I don't know if you saw the Instagram story a couple days ago. But here at Stock Talk Podcast, we're having a big sale starting 
tomorrow, Black Friday, all the way through Cyber Monday on the 30th. 25% off on orders over $100. We're going to have t-shirts, select t-shirts, for 10 bucks. Every single purchase will be free shipping on stocktalk-podcast.com. And of all this stuff comes from our friends at Fierce Threads. So I encourage you to get there, find our social media pages, and jump on and get you some gear. Put it underneath the Christmas tree. Be a great way to, or have have Santa do it if, if it's that age. So anyway. Sounds like, a, sounds like a heck of a deal to me. It is, and and I'm sitting here looking at the inventory, and I hope it's empty shelves. Limited supply, just go for it. Start clicking. But, Corey, we're going to jump into hats off, and I think I'm going to take this one first this time. Okay. So, I don't know if you follow my wife either on Instagram. She's way big on Instagram. Mm -hmm. She does this cool thing every Monday. It's called Melinda Mondays, and uh, that's her mother that passed away. It's a really cool way to keep the uh, memory alive, and we she cooks a fantastic meal that is out of her recipe box. So this week, with Thanksgiving in mind, my hat goes off to the magician of the recipe, oh. the, the grandma, the great aunt, or the great grandpa, whoever does the recipes but then passes it down. Not the hoarder, not the one who, hey, it's a secret recipe, I can't give you that. I'm talking about the dynasty of, of the kitchen. The person who passes down the passion of cooking. That's what I'm all about. And uh, we found this recipe box in the kitchen there after her mom's passing, and it's awesome. It's something that we'll do with our kids in the future. So yeah, the recipe, magician. That's Corey? a good one, Trev. Yeah. I, I, I just thought of that off uh, off the cuff there, not going to lie. But Melinda Mondays are a cool thing. Emily posts them every week on uh, her Instagram. It's pretty cool. Nice. Well, this week, my hat goes off to the trophy hunter. Oh! And I'm not just talking about the ones that are in the show ring hunting trophies, uh, hunting the big banners. I'm talking about those of you in the livestock industry that are out in the woods trying to knock down the next big one. Mm -hmm. uh, I have seen some ridiculous posts on Facebook of some of these large bucks that are being harvested across the country. And let me just say, job well done. My hat goes off to you guys. I feel like it's been a great year uh, for hunters to knock down some big ones. And maybe the pandemic is to be thanked for that with you know, less traffic and um, all that kind of stuff on the roadways this spring, uh, just allowing allowing these bucks to get out and uh, and frolic a little bit more freely. So, uh, yeah, my hat goes off to the trophy hunter this week. Well, that's a good one, and and you're you're uh, you're singing my tune there, man, because I've been out several times, really, really hunting for it. Um, so I've got a, a, a another idea instead of less traffic. I think it's because. When Jim Bob says, hey, I got a call off sick from work, they automatically say, oh, you got to stay home for 10 days. And he's like, yes, more time to hunt. So that gives you more time uh -huh. to get, get the trophy buck, not just the first one you see because, you know, your time's approaching. You got to go back to work in a day, that kind of thing. You now have more time to hunt. 
because work tells you to stay home. That's my theory. Or people working from home, they're just like, hey, yeah, can take a few hours, you know, off early morning, get there before sun rises. And yes, now you're, yep. Uh, my uh, first day in here in Ohio to hunt with a gun is the 30th. So I'll go out opening day and uh, really, really hope because that's probably going to be one of my last chances with some things changing in my personal life, which I'm excited mm-hmm. about. But um, yeah, gun season opens up here in Ohio on the 30th. And I'll tell you what, I've been bow hunting a lot and been seeing a lot of things close if you have a gun, but not if you have a bow. So, yeah, right. Anyways, yeah, good stuff. I like that one. Trophy buck hunting. Trophy, the trophy hunter. Well, that's pretty good, Trev. Um, I was also thinking, too, that, boy, next week's week's pre-episode, it's going to be wild and full of announcements. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. I was just thinking about that. But, yeah. Anyway, um Trev, I'm real excited for this week's Breedem Ship from Sean because I'm in the driver's seat and you have to make the decision. Yes. Oh, before we do, one, one real quick thing. We've been talking a lot about episode 100. I want our listeners oh, to know, just real quick here. We have formed a committee. When I mean committee, I mean committee, big time. And we've done this because we don't want it just to be Corey and I. I mean, we can come up with some pretty cool stuff. But we've opened up the doors to let other minds in. That's all I'm going to say, because the ideas are flowing. We've got a meeting coming up here really soon. Actually, matter of fact, I think it's today, uh, if you're listening on Wednesday. So, episode 100 is yep. coming up. It's going to be big one. But you were talking about Dream Ship Show. I was. I'm pumped. Well, we love our folks at Formula of Champions Show Feeds. I don't know if you've been using their supplements or their feeds, but you ought to. Formula of Champions is sweeping the Midwest with high-quality ingredients with incredible quality control. Guys, if you want to know how to flip the switch, go to formulaofchampions.com right now. Formula of Champions, a division of Kallenbach Feeds. Well, thank you to Formula of Champions for being our sponsor. For read them, ship them, show them. And this week's edition comes from Adam on Facebook. So, Adam, welcome to the pool of potentially winning a Stock Talk prize pack. Uh, Very excited uh, for you to be in this drawing because this might just be the most left field list of options for Breedom Ship from Show we've had yet. That's, That's probably true. I mean, we've gotten pretty out there on a few things, but this one... Put your put your creative thinking hat, cap on, folks. Okay, Trevor, prepare yourself. Oh boy, here we go. All right, read them, ship them, show them. Option number one: you get a pygmy goat buck. So elite uh, in the pygmy goat world that even uh, previous guest Dale Hummel has offered to buy him. But when he is in the show ring, he thinks he's a fanning goat and falls over every time you try to walk him. <laughs> okay. Okay. Elite pygmy goat. Uh, option number two, you got a llama female. Oh. Okay. Top of the line genetics. Uh, her wool or, or hair. It's I, fiber. I fiber. Fiber. Her fiber is so perfect all the time that you have no maintenance needed when you go to a show. 
but she is a chronic spitter. And at least once every five minutes, she is shooting snot at your face. Okay. So option number three, we're, we're getting even more wild here. You've got a Jacob sheep ram. And for those of you unfamiliar with Jacob sheep, they can either have two or four horns. Oh boy. So, I mean, people kind of hunt these things as well. Yeah. We were just talking. About uh, yeah. We just talked about hunting. Uh, go get you a Jacob sheep mount for your wall. <laughs> anyway. So this Jacob sheep ram can produce high quality purebred and crossbred show lambs that could compete in today's show ring. So we are pretty much talking about magical semen production that no matter what this sheep breeds, they will be good. Hmm. Okay, like wild imagination here. Think about it. But the problem is he likes to use his horns to get you, all four of them. And half of his offspring will be four-horned as well. Doesn't matter if they're just your run-of-the-mill crossbred or Hampshire or whatever. They will be four-horned. Keep that in mind. Half of them will be. Okay? So there you go, Trev. Thinking cap on. What do you got? Okay. Well... I'm thinking if the Jacob Ram was that high quality, magically, with some sprinkles on top, I'm going to breed them because I think those things are exotic enough. Like, it would bring some real flair into the ring, like some crazy shit. But I think I don't know how to do the whole four-horn deal. I don't know if we can file them down or or trim them. I would say you could probably dehorn them. Yeah, you know, ch- you know, do some cosmetic work there. So I think I'm going to breed them because although, I mean, half of them would be normal. So, you know, I'd be okay with that. And especially if he's as high quality as this, as Adam says, uh, that's what I'm doing. I'm breeding the Jacob sheep. That leaves oh. me with the llama or the pygmy goat. And here's what I'm going to do to dig into Dale Hummel's pocketbook. I'm going to show the pygmy. You're going to show the pygmy they can't walk. I'm going to show the pygmy because <laughs> they'll want some. Tra- do you put training wheels on him? <laughs> we just put we just put him in a little, uh, the red flyer and just a little wagon and just. Yeah, there you go. And they just towed him around. And I'm going to sell him after that show or this national pygmy goat show that they have. And yep. uh, Dale Hummel's going to uh, going to buy him. Uh, he's already offered to. So uh, although he's a faint goat. <laughs> Uh, speaking of, I, I love pygmy goats. I really do. Uh, I got to judge one of them in my whole life, and it was the coolest thing ever. Uh, they're really stout, um, so I'm going to show the pygmy, mainly because llamas freak me out. I mean, alpacas are like the miniature version, and they're shorter, and you know they're they're not as intimidating. But llamas, they can straight up kill you with their feet or spit on you like this thing does. I'm out on that. Even, you know... I've got some alpaca and, uh, well, it's alpaca socks that are incredible. But I'm out on the llama talk. We're shipping the llama. We're showing the pygmy. We're breeding the Jacob. Let's go. Man, I uh, I don't know that I really disagree with that a whole lot. Um, well, I'll you tell know- you what, I've, been, I've had a llama spit. I mean, I think I told this story. I've had a llama spit in my ear it's a very unpleasant feeling mm. uh i guess the only way that you could avoid that is you know by wearing a face shield and i guess in 2020 we have those now that's true so uh, i guess maybe that would be it's something. more normal to uh, wear a face shield public <laughs> yeah and and you know 
I don't know what an upper end pygmy goat buck's worth, but I do know what an upper end llama female's worth, and they can get pretty pricey. So the opportunity to show and sell that mm. uh, uh, might might be intriguing too. But just muzzle her, maybe. Say, I would have to say just just to tell the story uh, of how you sold a a fainting pygmy goat uh, that will not walk in the show ring uh, to the likes of Dale Hummel probably ranks a little higher in my book. So I, I, I would definitely do what you did, Trev. I feel like we need you to cross. Agree, we need to cross over the Jacob sheep ram, no matter what. Yeah. I, I, if you're not, I challenge you. I challenge you to find a better option to breed to. Well, I'm sh- surely max look is going to have something to say about this. Cause the Always guy does. blows her Snapchat up. And I love it because he gets fired up, especially about the Poland talk we had. <laughs> max, uh, honestly, I didn't really get a chance to uh, tell you but I know you're listening to this. So Max, the, the Poland talk was justified. I feel like you had just a little bit of, of breed pride getting your way. That's exactly Um, right. And you and I both know that, uh, there, there is some, there is some real, there's some real genetic prowess, uh, happening with the other two options that were available. So let's just, Keep that in mind, Max. Try it. I love. I love uh, nothing against Poland's. So I'm just letting you know. Try it anyway. <laughs> that's freedom, ship, and show them this week, Trev. Yeah. Brought to you by Formula Champions. Now, Very good. You told everybody about the prize pack, so make sure you're sending in your freedom, ship, and show them. We got a lot of them, uh, but we need good ones. We're only using the good ones. Yeah, I'm telling you, uh, this this one from a creative standpoint was pretty uh, pretty far up there. So pretty far up there and and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to get out there with your uh, suggestions. Not, not so crazy that Trevor and I can't understand what you're trying to say. Right. But uh, for sure, stuff like this is highly entertaining. That's right. Love it. Quick break in the action. Once again, folks, you guys know about it by now. There's only been a couple episodes. Phantom halters here and it's the ultimate cable halter rather in the barn or the show ring, Phantom Halter will help showmen of all ages control their animal. The Phantom Halter was developed with both the showman and your stock in mind. The halter is smooth and not prone to fray like the other cables on the cable halters on the market. The Phantom Halter is better for your animal, and it does not aggravate them in any way. Trevor, did you know that this show halter is not just for the show ring? But you can use this style at home as well. With this style of cable halter, there is no need to place a show halter over top of this one. Just attach your choice of lead and hit the ring. For cattle, there are three sizes to choose from. No tools required. And they also have two sheep and goat halter sizes available as well. So if you go to phantomhalter.com, Phantom is P-H-A-N-T-O-M for those of you that need a spelling lesson. Phantomhalter.com to place your order. Use coupon code STOCKTALK, all lowercase S-T-O-C-K-T-A-L-K, all one word, for a 5% discount on your next order. That's coupon code STOCKTALK for 5% off your next order. Let's get back to the show. As you guys know, every five episodes, just Corey and I. And uh, Corey, I want to shoot this question to you because it is very near and dear to your professional life. 
I'd like for you to explain to the listeners and myself the new announcement of the sh- the summer show schedule for the pig folk. And tell us about uh, maybe some of the discussion that was had and um, what it looks like. Well, the announcement uh, was made on the uh, ABA, NSR, and CPS uh, Facebook pages, as well as Team Purebred and JSA. So if, um, if you need more clarification or more information, I would encourage you to visit all those pages on Facebook. Um, so the announcement of the show schedule uh, for summer of 2021 as it relates to uh, junior and open shows was um, was one that was uh, talked about quite a bit. You know, w- we come off a year where uh, you're limited on opportunities to exhibit. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, the, what, what show schedule has been announced uh, really favors the junior exhibitor. Uh, and I say that um, because of this. For the first time um, that I know of in history, Team Purebred and NJSA will be exhibiting uh, at four national summer shows together. Mm. Um, So show number one is going to be the end of May in Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, That will be uh, a Team Purebred and NJSA junior show um, and uh, support from CPS and ABA. Uh, And then... The second show of the summer will be in Indianapolis, Indiana, the exposition that second week of June, um, an NSR NJSA uh, team purebred event. And then the next show will be in Springfield, Illinois uh, for the uh, CPS uh, ABA summer type conference, along with the team purebred and NJSA junior show. And then that first week in July will be uh, the Summer Spectacular and NSR Summer Type Conference in Louisville, Kentucky, with Team Purebred and NJSA Junior Hogs exhibited as well. So uh, crossbreds will be available uh, junior show-wise at all four events from what I understand. Um, And then uh, Open Show Hogs, uh, on the crossbred side will be available at um, all events besides uh, the event in Springfield. So um, that, that is currently what's on uh, what's on schedule and, and plan being planned for. So there's uh, there's lots of moving parts uh, as we know, and who knows what will happen um, in 2021 during the summer and, and what we'll need to do, but that is, the current show schedule as it stands, um, we're excited to be able to offer the junior exhibitors a chance to show uh, at all these events. Um, if you want to if you want to go to all four, go to all four. If you just want to go to a couple, go to a couple. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, the three associations have combined to really allow the opportunity to exhibit uh in different locations at times that are convenient for um, however the membership sees fit. So that's where we are with the summer show schedule currently. And, and uh, if you have any questions, please reach out to myself 
Clay Zwilling, or Brian Anderson. And uh, we'd be happy to answer any questions. Christy Smith at Team Purebred, Ellen Canout um, on the NJSA side. Happy to answer any questions for anybody. Um, comments, concerns, uh, our lines are open. I think this is good. I think this is a good step. Uh, a little earlier show there for those who need it. And I think the NSR still having the uh, the draft, I believe. Um, that was a wild success from what I hear on, on that side of things. So Yes, the draft the draft is uh, scheduled for um, the middle of May. So Perfect. Well, there you have it. Um, and uh, that I think that allows for a little bit of flexibility too, uh, if need be. And, uh, yeah, I thought that'd be something that would be good to get out there that uh, Corey's been working on personally in conjunction with everybody else. So good things. Good things coming. A lot of normalcy still in some of the locations and uh, times, so it's not like it's totally new. Yes, yes. Um, the The location of the events will not be unfamiliar. Um, timing may look different. Um that sort of thing, but uh, yeah, you have the opportunity to choose, and I think uh, ultimately, as an exhibitor, uh, it's better to have opportunities than it is um, to not. So, right, <laughs> definitely. There and I'm go. sure, like, I, I mean, if I was somebody, you know, I wouldn't count out the cyber stock shows. That'll be a tool we have for a while. Um, yeah. Thanks to Walton, and you know, worst comes to worst, you can at least see where you're at there and. You know, we're always going to be wanting to go to a, a real show, and that'll happen. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. See yeah. What, see what's up. Uh, additional details on that show, um, on that show schedule, will will come out here um, probably before the end of the year, uh, just on some other other detail, really birth dates and weight limits and all that kind of stuff will be uh, will be talked about too. So there you go. Yep. Well. Let's take a quick break from one of our sponsors. Are you ready to take your marketing and design to the next level? Tarbell Marketing and Design is a livestock-savvy marketing agency that will get you thinking out of the box. Every first-time customer can get 15% off if you mention Stock Talk Podcast. Visit ChooseTMD.com today. The difference is in the details. Man, Jace... Uh... Jace really got his money's worth on that one. <laughs> uh, yeah, we brought the uh, monster truck read back just for this week. Um, but Trevor, I've got a question for you. So, you know, Black Friday's coming up. Oh, yeah. Uh, with that in mind, obviously, people doing a lot of Christmas shopping. So, what if, if you were a kid right now, what are the best gifts for a stock show kid that you can get? Um, or or maybe like events that you can take because you know we're all about making memories. Mm -hmm. So what what are some of the best Christmas gifts for a stock show kid or events or things that you can you can take one to? Mm, man, I'm gonna. Well, I'll tell you about a personal personal sh sh uh, stock show kid favorite. So this was the first year that. We were kind of dabbling with, you know, getting outside the Buckeye State and starting to, to show a little bit more and all that. And we were drawn for Denver. And we were super excited about that. And that was kind of our, like, Christmas trip, although it was in January. 
that was what we really geared down toward for. And we had like a family discussion, you know, like, Hey, let's pour all of our chips into the trip to Denver. Let's go skiing. Let's go snowboarding along with showing the hogs. And then, you know, maybe ease up on the Christmas deal. And we were all in for that. Uh, so that was probably one of the coolest things looking back on it now. Um, I, you know, as a kid, you know, you want those tangible things. You want the the newest toy or the game or whatever. But looking back on it, that was a huge jump into, like, the national scene for me and my sister. And we both mm-hmm. got drawn, which was cool. Uh, and the scenery out there, I mean, everybody knows what Denver's like. But uh, RIP this year. And um, that, was, that was probably the coolest, quote-unquote, gift uh, that the parents did. Uh, that way, you know, we could get get the stock shown. Um, as far as stock show kid gift, I'll never forget getting my show box. That was always a big one. I still oh, have yeah. it. Um, and then the next year, you know, it got decaled and that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, that that's always cool. Um, well, I tell you what, if if I was a parent right now and I had a stock show kid, and this is not just a plug, but I'd be looking at, you know, Big Paul, with some of the livestock savvy stuff that they have, uh, you know, some of these really, really cool things that kids can use. I'm big on, not just like oh, yeah. the, you know, toy that gets old after four months. Like I'm talking something that, uh, they can really get into. I, th- this place, you know, stock talk podcast, I heard had some really good merch. That'd be a really cool gift. I don't know. See if hindsight's 2020, I am asking for a bred female for every Christmas. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. That's, that's what I'm doing. Um, I think that's an incredible gift to give a stock show kid. Um, but, you know, in general, I think there's so much cool equipment available now that, like, I guess it depends on what your budget is, but also – if you are not gifting your stock show kids this like r- these really cool um like stock show figurines yes like man i would love those as a kid and i obviously you have you know your farm animal set up but there is literally the opportunity to go and buy a a, a calf shoot with a stuffed stuffed calf we just shared something on our facebook page that legacy took an awesome picture of uh at a show and uh you know stock trailers and and uh and actual show stock related um, animal figurines and, and everything like that. Oh, dude, that is just, I kind of want some now and yeah. I'm an adult. Yeah. And you're, so cool. you're kind of ingraining that into the kid already. Like the passion yeah. builds early if they can be part of that. And yeah. they are a product of their environment. So when they look around and they see, you know, mom and dad fit in the calf. Well, they want one. They can do that with two safely. And yep. yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah. I, I, but at the same time, think about this as a stock, if you're a stock show parent, and, and this is something that I know my wife and I will, will try to do um, in the future is that, you know, a lot of vacations and time and money and resources are spent on going to stock shows. Mm hmm. I think as a stock show kid, one of the coolest things that you can do for them is to culture them, get yes. them, get them away from a stock show. If that's something that you guys do quite a bit, 
go take a trip to Disney. Yeah. Go to a go to a beach. Go go to uh go to a big city. Do something different that's out, out maybe um out of the normal. I think as a as a as a person in the stock show industry, the more that we know uh, at a young age about the outside world beyond our day to day is so unique and and that's a gift that you can give them that they will remember for years. That's very so, true. I would yeah. like to make that a point. I'm not telling you how to raise your kids, but that's kind of a cool thing that you can do. Yeah. And bridging that gap we've talked about many, many, many times. Well, if they see the other side, quote unquote, well, that'll, that'll open up that opportunity a lot sooner instead yeah. of being comfortable within the stock show build, building. And I'm just saying, if you have the money um, to do so, going to Disney or to Orlando studios is a freaking blast. I haven't been for years. Me neither. Years, years, years. I do remember, I hope they still have it, the Buzz Lightyear I was a huge fan of. That Dude, ride. you can't, yeah, you can't forget that. And I'm pretty sure they still have some form of it. Yeah. Probably not was, like it was when we were kids, Mainly because but. it was so competitive. Like, it was a ride. And I'm not a big, I hate roller coasters. I hate them. And that was more of just like, a, obviously, a kiddie ride. But you could, you had to shoot the, the things to get yeah. points. Like, it was competitive towards the end. Yeah, that was good stuff. Yep. Love it. Man, oh man. Well, like we talked about, you know, show schedules are changing. We've got, you know, Christmas is probably going to be tough for some because the pandemic hit hard for everybody. But, uh, you know, we will see it through. Uh, and the pandemic's been something we've talked about almost every episode, just uh, kind of nonchalantly. But I had a question to me uh, personally. Uh, that I thought was interesting in, in the setting that it was in. But, Corey, I want to throw the question to you to see what you you said or you, what you're thinking. So what have you learned from the pandemic that you're going to adapt either personally or professionally to use even when the pandemic's over? And what are some of the things that have happened during the pandemic that you definitely want to leave behind and don't want to replicate? Mm. Um. Man, uh, that's that's a really, really good question. You know, from the stock show side of things, I think uh, the biggest thing that we've learned um, is how to be flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, when we're so used to these shows happening um, and, and events happening and you know, year after year, this year took a lot of that away from us. And, and we've talked about that over and over again. And I think we're all kind of in the realization of that fact. Um, but I think the one thing we've learned um, that will be adapted in the future is to be flexible, to have plan, you know, to have all the way through plan Z um, and, and not, uh, you know, just maybe kind of be more thankful of the opportunities that we have just because, you know, we've had to, change on the fly quite a bit. And so I think flexibility is one thing uh, that will, that will carry over uh, in the future. Um, Planning, pre-planning, post-planning, all that kind of stuff when it comes to these events. Um, Another thing I think we've learned is that um, technology is our friend. Mm. Um, I think at times maybe folks were a little bit skeptical of, of, you know, wanting to utilize technology in our industry as much as we have. Um, because there are a lot of opportunities for that technology to be used against us, you know, with things, 
uh, like video and, and um, you know, certain uh, tools and things like that from the outside perspective that we're using that might be in question. I don't think we question them within our industry, but, you know, obviously uh, utilizing technology and developing new things is uh, something that we're going to continue to do. But uh, things that we should definitely leave behind, Trev, um, ungratefulness and bad attitudes can stay in 2020 uh-huh. for all I'm concerned. Um, I also think we need to leave behind. Um, for lack of a better phrase, uh, we need to leave behind poor sportsmanship Um I guess that wasn't a terrible phrase to use, but you know, I think 2020 has made us realize in a lot of ways that, uh, boy, being a loser sucks, but being a bad loser is even worse. Amen. Uh, so let's, let's leave behind bad attitudes, poor sportsmanship, and, uh, let's just make progress. Yeah. I think, 100% agree with what you said, but the technology side of thing has been something that we've, we had to adapt to even in the professional setting, like with the zoom calls, heck that's what we right. used to conduct these phone or these interviews all the time. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it was hard for us at the beginning to let people like understand like, Hey, you got to click this link and you know, follow in or call in. But now everybody uses some kind of virtual platform to conduct a meeting. And I talk frequently about a generational gap of, of those older generations that have been, you know, pen and paper, uh, would rather do it in person uh, in, in a year that you can't, they've had to adapt to that too. But in the same sense, the younger generation that may already know that technology still has to learn, uh, the engagement of, you know, the interactions, the in-person stuff. So I totally agree. The technology has been absolutely huge. Um, the adaptations and also what I thought is like nothing is for is is going to happen for sure. Um, yeah. And we've got to really look in the rearview mirror of 2020 and think, wow, we just went through a gauntlet. And I appreciate every single show that I went to because we were at a point in the year we didn't know we were have any and the people who put them on. Uh, even the virtual shows, I, I judged a picture contest the other day. We've been doing that for years, and that's always something that's been adapted. So it, it's a revolving door. But I'm with you on the bad attitudes. Um, I think because in 2020 we were very virtual, um, people are getting really comfortable of uh, saying things behind a camera or on a keyboard like we talked about in the past. Um, because they haven't been in public as much, uh, maybe their interactions not um, as sharp as what it maybe was in the past. So I think we got to keep that in check. Uh, social media, um, the the negativity, the you know stuff that we don't need um, because we're not yep. maybe as involved um, in the public setting with social distancing and all that stuff happening. Um, we got to learn again teaching these young kids they think this is kind of normal let's make sure they know it's not and and that they can still go up and shake hands and and learn how to meet people and 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 all that because i 
don't want this to come off wrong, but I don't want, if I had a youngster, I wouldn't want him or her to think that I can't go up and shake the judge's hand. I'm not allowed to. Uh, boy, we got in trouble if we didn't back in the day. So uh, I'll leave that where it sits, but um, I I shared an interesting article on my Facebook page, and anybody that wants to go read it, um, I encourage you to do so. Um, it is very interesting, incredible. Um, I'm just going to leave it at that because I think I think you need to I read it in detail. It's, it's a long, longer kind of article, but uh, it comes from a couple universities, um, an economist, a doctor, and it uh, makes you think, makes you wonder what the future is going to hold and how we how we handled it. Um, but yeah, Facebook page, um, and I think I shared the link. It was probably the beginning of this week. So anyway, that's my thoughts, Corey. Yeah, let's leave complacency in 2022. Yes. Yep. There, I said it. Okay, uh, <laughs> let's do the breakdown, Trev. I, I think we got a real, real good one here uh, that's for sure uh, an interesting topic to cover. The breakdown brought to you by our good friends at Brad Howe. Ford. Brad Howe Ford has award-winning customer service, an incredible team that will get you into the right vehicle. I know from personal experience, Corey Edge went and traded his truck in and got a, a brand new car that has very much been a good purchase uh, for me. So thanks to the good, good crew at Brad Howe Ford for getting us set up there. So Trev, Hear me out. We've got some really, uh, a really, really interesting topic to break down. We're going to break down the growth curve in current livestock. So slow, slow growing ones in particular. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, is it our fault uh, as breeders through genetic selection? Is it environmental? Um, do we want them that way because the show ring has dictated it? Have we adapted them to being slower growing by just breeding sooner uh, because of that? Take it away, Trev. Let's break down slow growth in livestock. I am here for this. Man, we just talked about generational gap. And if we had those two ends of the spectrum on the microphone right now, this topic could get interesting because... He did almost. Huh? He did he did almost. He did, yes. He did for sure. Because it used to be, used to take pride in having the fast-growing ones. Durox in particular. They still do. Uh, but now, and this is the question, you know, do do we just breed earlier? Heck, we had a couple shows that moved up, specifically in the in the pig arena. We're now, are we adapting to these slower-growing ones? You know, are are we moving things up just because they can be they 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 show longer, or are we showing them later? Um, you know, it makes you wonder. So, because we have a longer show season, um, are do we like the ones that are slower growing that don't shoot up, and then you got to fit on them a little harder, or they you know they take time with all the jackpot series and showing them early. You know, you can you can hold them a little easier. So 
like I was saying, back in the day, heck, they used to grow, grow, grow as fast as you can get them because in the production industry, obviously that's what we're after. So do we select for the slower growing ones? I don't think there's anybody that's like, okay, let's make sure rebreed this one to that one because they're slow growing. However, over time, when we get the internal clock of, hey, we got to breed for this show and they end up moving it, well, we got to redo our whole wheel and kind of select for that. So in a way, although you're not genetically selecting for slow growing ones, we kind of, maybe it's the environmental nutritional side of things. We feed them that way. We hold, we're holding on them. Um, you know, are, are we slowing them down on purpose? Are they fast growing livestock, but we're sitting on them because we want them to just reach a show. Look, I'm not trying to be a dark cloud because trust me, I fed on them. I know how it is. Slow growing ones work in some instances. Sometimes they don't, but makes you wonder, are we getting our hands into it a little too much? Do we just let the animals grow? And take off, you know, we talked to a lot of really, really educated people on this podcast. And, you know, some of the slower going ones they can adapt to. And they can show them at a year old, you know, they can <laughs> they can run the wheels off of them. But in my opinion, I think uh, we as breeders are doing a little bit of selection to better adapt to a show schedule. And on the opposite side of the coin, I think um, the environmental and nutritional factors also play a role as uh, maintaining livestock for a longer period of time. Uh, I think as breeders and and feeders, the show ring has very much dictated what we want these animals to look like phenotypically. So from a genetic selection standpoint and, and an environmental standpoint, we have we have altered the the process to fit what the end goal is in the show ring and if you consider the advantages that feeding longer has from a maturity standpoint and muscle development um, uh, and the ability to um, exercise or or increase or decrease fat deposition and cover um yeah, I mean, I'm 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 not too scared to say that I do think um, the show ring has dictated uh, how we select livestock in a general sense. I'm not saying everybody does it, but in a general sense, to feed older, and by feeding older, um, they grow a little slower. They mm. take more time to get to their endpoint. And so that's my take. I, I'm not saying it's right, wrong, or indifferent. Personally, I don't like raising ones that are uh, hard to get started or that take forever to get to an endpoint. But I think uh, we have learned as breeders and, and feeders to manage that. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that's what's being done. And uh, I mean, to answer the question and, and breaking down slow growth in livestock, I, I do think that the curve has definitely been altered um, yep. by us in the show ring. I agree. Yep. It's uh, something to think about. Um, you know, how much emphasis is put on break joints and sheep? 
Well, I mean, yeah. uh, none in the show ring. Right. I mean, but it makes you matter. wonder, like when they all hang upside down, you know, that, that it doesn't matter after that. You're right. And, you know, if you if you see the spool joint, the brake joints, you got the maturity in them and all that. Yeah, I mean, in, in the commercial industry, yeah, heck yeah, they're. I mean, they're they're getting docked, and and obviously from a grade standpoint, they they go down quite a bit. Yeah. So I mean, if if you're uh, if you're raising commercial sheep, heck yeah. Um, if you're raising commercial hogs that take, you know, uh, ten months to finish, man, that's a long time. Right. Collect your paycheck and move on. You're going to sell them at the same price no matter what. Right. Uh, you know, get them to the right weight and go. The faster they get there, the better. Um, in the cattle industry, I mean, you want cattle that are going to finish at heavy weights, um, but still have a lean carcass from, from you know, uh, a yield grade standpoint. If you're going to collect a premium, if they're black hided, it's even better. Yep. So, I mean, I think what we do in the show ring, um, at the end of the day, you have to feel comfortable as a breeder on where you think your livestock are from a growth curve standpoint. And if your market or or if your uh, ability to provide the labor necessary to raise slow-growing ones uh, is is there, then do it. Stay, you know, if that's what you want to do, do it. Um, but if you know, if you want to raise fast growing ones that, that uh, are more on a traditional maturity pattern and uh, don't require a lot of guesswork in, into, you know, how big or small they're going to get, then do that too. Right. I mean, and I don't uh, want to sound hypocritical because I've said on this show before that, you know, the commercial industry and the show industry are as far separated as they ever been. And, you know, they're different. They, they are. Um, but the, the, the break joint, comment is just like it makes you wonder you know what do what do they look like afterwards because you know in the show industry you know that's not the first priority um but what i'm saying is i don't want to be known for the slow growing the guy who raised slow growing ones um and i don't think anybody else does either but we all know that when you buy some they say hey we ought to show that one a little later you know hey probably not going to be done for this amount of time or whatever so they I mean, they know in the back of their heads. In a in a perfect world, and how I would like to see it is that livestock are shown at the age they are born. They are they are raised to be productive and and grow like they should. Um, I mean that that's a that's the great solution. And the more that we can select for that, I think the better our industry is going to be. Um, and you won't have you won't run into situations like the dwarf gene or, yep. um, you know, like a, like a purebred hog that's known for, for growing fast takes, you know, an extra three months to finish or to get big enough and frame size. So I don't know things to think about. I guess I can try to be a little PC yep. on some of that, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, I think, I think as producers, uh, it's kind of up to you and what you want to put into it and, and how you think the industry should go. Uh, I could say that I sure as heck don't like racing midget sheep. So, um, <laughs> the, the more moderate we get them, 
the more opportunity you have to to make those sheep. So that's right. Well, Corey, before you hit us with the question of the week, we got some words from another sponsor. Legacy Livestock Imaging is the best photography company in the show stock world. Look, and they're just not show stock, folks. If you want senior pictures, maybe Christmas pictures, coming right around the corner, you better go to LegacyLivestockImaging.com and get them booked right away because graduation's coming up. And what better way to get with Legacy Livestock Imaging or if you've got a show coming up, that's their forte. LegacyLivestockImaging.com So, Trev, we, we really did, um, we did a bad thing in not continuing the question of the week as often uh, at the end of our episodes, but we're bringing it back. And I've got an intriguing one that I think uh, could get some different answers on. Oh, boy. I mean, I know my answer, but it's going to be interesting, okay? This is a would you rather. Oh, boy. Would you rather be the owner of the next uh, industry-changing herd sire? Or would you have rather raised the next industry-changing herd sire? Oh, I thought this was going to be an easy one. Because right right off the get-go, I want to be known for the guy who raised it. Because you made it. But the guy who owns it, depending on the sale price, <laughs> may have a better opportunity long-term. I think I want to stick with my first impression. I would rather be the guy who raced it because that's that's quite quite the hook to hang your hat on. Um, and then you you're going to always have the female that it came from and the facilities in which it was raised. If it was that iconic, you're going to have judging teams coming through there asking where what what pin was this one, um, you know this that and the other or you know I think that. That would be my my way to go, but that's a good one. I do like this this question. Yeah, I mean, personally speaking, I feel like there's there's a lot of time and thinking and and, and decisions um, that go into making uh, an industry changing herd sire. Um, but if you think about what happens in the ownership. Of, of an industry changing sire, it, it is, I would challenge people, you know, to really think who they associate with first. You know, if you think about a certain boar or a certain bull or a certain buck and you think, uh, do you think of the person that owns them first or do you think of the person that races them first? Mm. I know in the show pig world, you're going to be like, oh, where's that boar at? Or, or um, man, true. how can I get semen on that one? Well, you always think about the boar stud or the guy that owns them. Hmm. And, and, then, and then you say, oh, who raised that one? Okay, what's this one's mom? You know, and then, you know, it, it's so that's what I think the intriguing part of the question is. I mean, it's like you've got, and then obviously from a financial standpoint, you have a, you have a, you're going to make money. Right. Uh, and, and quite possibly make the bigger impact at the end of the day 
because you owned that sire and had the opportunity to distribute uh, semen, you know, and, and create offspring and had, you know, if you're the owner or, or the breeder, sorry, you, j- you get the check one time and people are like, oh yeah, so-and-so raised that one. And it does have dividends at the end of the day, but that's just, it's challenging. Unless you hold some stake in him, you know, unless you're. Well, yeah, you got to be smart about it. Right. But, you know, and just generally speaking, um, it, it would be a tough one. I know, I mean, obviously I would rather be the person that raises them, just makes it pretty. I feel like the, at the end of the day, if you're breeding livestock, that's the goal. But if you don't breed livestock, your answer might be, yeah, heck yeah, I'd like to own the next industry changing sire. Yeah, right. Anyway. Interesting. Question of the week. That's a good one. I like it. Mm-hmm. Well, Corey, uh, we haven't talked much about dedicated December and uh, the January journey. Now we've changed it to the January journey, which is tough because Perry, Georgia is during January. That's true. So it'll be tough no matter what month, because as you guys know, um, you know, with a lot of other events going on, we, we've just pushed it back because honestly we haven't had enough time to dedicate it to December. (laughs) So, uh, but just so you know, our our book, my book, came in the mail today. Oh. So I'm pretty pumped up. Tell our listeners uh, what it is, and then we can uh, release it. That way, if they wanted to follow along with it and uh, maybe give a little bit of details if nobody knows what the heck we're talking about. Yeah. Um, boy, let me tell you. Let me tell you this. I would be remiss if I did not give credit for uh, the book suggestion. Uh, Caleb Johnston, uh, Idaho native, um, club lamb breeder, and uh, and friend of the show, Caleb suggested Atomic Habits. And so we're going to read Atomic Habits. It's, it's going to be kind of a really uh, good book to do some self-reflection and then uh, self-improvement. Mm-hmm which I think is the whole purpose of dedicated December slash January journey. So in the January journey, that's going to be our book. Um, you know, we, we read a very, um, good book. Um, fate, what was it? Facing your giants. Yep. Or, By yep. Max Licato. Yep. Uh, very, very good book. Um, that I feel like also very much a personal growth and, and self-reflection kind of a book. And I, I think if we continue down that journey, we'll, continue to be better people that's right so it's going to be the same for Corey and i um jordan marks and the one only luke ziggler we're all going to read the book and do some self-reflection we can talk about it we'll have the all the four on again a couple times during january gonna try to get our fitness on get our mind right get our body right we do it at least once a month a year i encourage our listenership to jump on um, we try to work out at least three times a week. We read the book. I read it every morning, uh, but we got to complete it within that month. Again, Atomic Habits. I believe the author name is James Clear, um, and uh, it's going to be good. It'll be much needed. A uh, good way to start 2021 and put 2020 behind us. Um, so anyways, we'd love for you to be on the journey with us and uh, follow the socials. Don't forget this Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. We have a huge sale at Stock Talk's website, stocktalk-podcast.com. 
That's all I'm going to say, folks. We love each and every one of you. We're excited for Turkey Day. Hope you guys have a good one. Be safe out there. Stay healthy. And give your family a hug because you never know what's around the corner. We'll see you next week. I gotta go.